0: Shadow. In ocean sea, my faith will set.
1: Just take this moment in the presence of our Lord. Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. I feel you here tonight. Lord, we ask that you change us tonight. Let us be different when we walk out than when we came in, Lord. We cast about all our cares and burdens at the cross, Lord, and we say, take them. We want to hear your calling on our lives, Lord. So open our eyes and ears and minds to hear what you would have us say today and tomorrow. Lord, I bless the speakers tonight. Lord, I ask that you give me clarity. Anoint my words, Lord God. Help me to speak only what the Father would have me speak. Nothing more, nothing less. I pray that you give our speakers boldness and confidence, Lord. I thank you for our worship team tonight. Bless them as they led us into the throne room. We want to see your face tonight. Be with us. Send angels around us to protect us as we meet tonight, God. We give you tonight, and everything that is spoken, all our fellowship, all our conversation, all our thoughts, all our words are yours, God. You are our King and our Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> okay. My name is Lainey Noble. Lainey Noble. My husband is Jay Noble. He's the pastor at Threshing Floor Fellowship here in Cedar City. We've been here for three years. God called us to get out of the boat. God calls us to get out of the boat every day, am I right? So I'm just so honored. Debbie, where are you? I'm so honored to be here tonight. Thank you for doing all of this for us. What a blessing. What a privilege to be here. So she, we, I met with her, and she asked me to, to speak on something I spoke about, um, the story of Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. And I'm so excited because the Lord has taken me on this journey for about a year and has opened my eyes and my mind to new things about that story. So I'm going to take you along on that journey with me, and hopefully one or more all of you will get something new out of this story. It is Matthew 14. 22 and 20, 22 through23. It starts with Jesus partnering with the disciples to do the miracle of feeding the 5,000, not including women and children. The disciples were asked to be part of a miracle. Not only did they participate by, by handing out the food, but they also witnessed it and ate the miracle. This was a big deal to be a part of this miracle. After this was over, Jesus told the disciples, get into the boat, cross over the water, let's go to our next mission field. I'm going to go up to the mountain and pray. I'll meet you over there. So the disciples got in the boat and started on their journey, as we all do. Circumstances weren't ideal, the storm was raging all around them. And Jesus wasn't there. But, off in a distance, they see something. What is that? It's a ghost! <laughs> I can't imagine what that was like. <laughs> Jesus says, Don't be afraid, it is I. Peter. I love Peter. He is just impulsive, outspoken, emotional throughout the, the um, this Peter story. He just is, he's real. I like to think I'm Peter before and after Pentecost. <laughs> Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, command me to come to you. Jesus says, come. One word, come. So let's pause there for a minute. Whose idea was it for Peter to walk on water? Was it Jesus? Was it Peter? Peter, he took initiative. He said, I am not satisfied where I am. I want to encounter with Jesus. And he says, Lord, if it is really you... He knows all the, all the Lord has to do is say one word and he will be able to do it. Jesus says, come. He doesn't force Peter. He doesn't try and persuade him. He says, Peter, you want me? Come. Come. Peter steps out of the boat. He has a choice. So I imagine, just imagine, it's slow motion. One foot out of the boat. Now he's on water, but one foot is still in the boat, still in his comfort zone, still in his security, still in safety. This is where I imagine all the other disciples are watching. <laughs> like, like, could you imagine? I imagine the other disciples, some are like, oh, what's going to happen next? What's he doing? Is he going to do this? And then some of the other disciples are like, who does he think he is? Going to walk on water. I hope he falls flat on his face. And then some others are like, I wish I had that faith. I wish I could do that. I wish I thought of it first. We've been there. I know I have. Tried to ride the coattails of somebody who at the time I thought had more faith than I did. They were operating out of fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure fear of what somebody else might think. So Peter gets out. He's out of the boat. Now, as human beings, which is harder for us to believe, that Peter is walking on water defying the law of physics or that Peter is walking on the word of God? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The two go hand in hand. Are you listening to God? When he's saying, come, come and experience me. Come, let's have a relationship. Let's talk. Let me into your life. Every corner, I just want to be a part of you. Are you hearing that? The sound of God, the word, the recorded word and the spoken word. If you're not hearing the word of God, it's because the sound of the world is deafening his voice. The sound of the world wants you, wants your attention, is also saying, come. Which voice? The word of God must be the main sound, the main voice in your life. So... He's on the water, and the scripture doesn't say how far he got. In in the verses before, it says that Jesus was so far away that they could, his own disciples didn't even recognize him. So I don't know if they had reading glasses or 20-20 vision or something, but they could not distinguish, recognize their own Jesus. So he had to be pretty far away. So, I like to think my friend Peter made it a good distance walking on that water. And he walked, and then he looked at his circumstances. Oh, wait, my bank account's empty. Oh, wait, I just had a death in the family. Oh, wait. Somebody I love isn't saved. Oh wait, I just lost my job. Oh wait, I'm sick. Oh wait, the doctor has diagnosed me with something. We've all been there. Wind in the waves, wind in the waves. When Peter took his eyes off of Jesus... Immediately, the scripture says, he started to sink. And immediately as he started to sink, the scripture also says, immediately, Jesus. Immediately, Jesus was there. When you step out, God's going to step in. He is never far away. He is the God outside of space and time. Even if he seems far away, which I know, there are times when he seems far away. It's all about your faith. It's all about your faith. Hebrews 12, 29 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. What does that mean? That means there's a beginning and an ending of your faith. We've all been given a measure. That measure doesn't have to stay said measure. Jesus says to Peter, O oh, ye of little faith. Now, I want to encourage you. This was not a chastisement from our Lord to Peter. I imagine as a loving father, Look down in his beloved son. I imagine in my head when a parent is teaching a child how to ride a bicycle. You are just so excited. You get on that bicycle and you go as far as you have momentum. And then, ooh, and then into the bush. And your parent comes along and picks you up. You have a scrape to me and says, You'll get there. It's not right now. You're not where you were, but you're not yet where you will be. Oh, ye of little faith. Now, little in the original Aramaic in the scripture does not mean small in size. It means lacking in endurance. So even though Peter, out of all the disciples, had that tremendous amount of faith to step out of that boat, he was still so young, so immature, so undeveloped, which is exactly the perfect place for you to be for God to do his work. When you are sinking, God says, finally, (laughs) you've let go of control and now I can I can bring you where you need to be. And I believe from that moment on, Peter leveled up in faith continually. He was going after his Lord, going after his Lord. Lord, don't leave me where I'm at. Continually grow me. The boat, I believe, represents comfort. What's your comfort zone? There is a difference between hearing the call of the Lord and just taking a risk just to take a risk. I ask you to listen to the Lord. Spend time with him. Get to know him. Let him get to know you. Your dreams, your fears, your insecurities, all of it. Give it all to him. I don't want to be like the other 11, watching someone else experience a miracle, watching somebody else lay hands on somebody who receives a healing, watching somebody else be a part of answered prayer. I want God to use me in those things. Do you have the faith to get out of the boat tonight? Like one person nod their head. (laughs) Oh, well, it was this young lady with the bun over here. Thank you. (laughs) She was listening. Do you have the faith to walk on water? Do you have the faith to stay on the water? I'm sure a lot of you have heard this, this um, well, scripture, but this phrase, many are called, few are chosen. Right? Well, I... I did a little tweaking with some friends and said, Many are called, few have chosen. It's a choice, my friends. Jesus is a gentleman. He is reaching out his hand on the dance floor and saying, Come, my beloved, let's do this dance. And he's going to lead you, and you're going to follow, and he's going to teach you along the way. It's beautiful. I'm telling you, and I, I see you nodding your head, which means there are people out there who know what it's like to step out of that boat. The key word tonight is trust. And i want to leave you with this, and then I'm gonna say a prayer. We must trust in the goodness of our Father that immediately Jesus... We trust not in what we see, but in who we know. We fix our eyes upon Jesus. Are you ready to do that and continue to do it every day? I'm going to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, Jesus, I look at all these people in this room, Lord. You know each and every one of them. Personally, you love them as your own. You know everything they're going through. Lord, so right now, I just, in faith, I attach my faith to theirs tonight. And I say, Move, God, as only you can. Move mountains in our lives. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see. The broken, mended, relationships reconciled, addiction cast off. We want freedom. We want cancer gone. We want all these things, but we want you the most. You are the answer. You are the final answer. You have the last word. So we give you ourselves, our dreams, our hopes, and we ask you, Lord, beckon us to come out of the boat and onto the water. And as we do so, meet us there where we are. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: grateful I was. The preacher's strike.
3: for this amazing event. I was with you last year when we... Journey- Greetings from Mozambique to my sisters and fellow water walkers. I am so excited for you and for your women's retreat. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. I really wish I could be there with you for this amazing event. I was with you last year when we took that incredible journey together, The Woman Behind the Mask where we shared with each other our challenges and our victories in Christ, and we encouraged one another to be all that God created us to be. So my prayer for you for this event is to have an adventurous spirit, an incredible courage, and a supernatural faith to step out of the boat into the amazing things that Jesus has for you. Don't be afraid to sink because Jesus will catch you. And don't forget to love and encourage one another because remember, there were 11 other guys in that boat and they all saw what Jesus and Peter did and they worshiped Jesus and they proclaimed, you truly are the son of God. They did this because they saw one of their own, a mere man. They saw it with their own eyes that he walked on water, that he transcended above the physical realm right into the kingdom realm where everything is possible with Jesus. So I really wish I could be there with you. I know you're going to have a great time, an amazing time. I'm here praying for you. And speaking of walking on water, well, they're not going to walk on water. They're going to fly over water. But I'm so excited. I just, no words can, can uh, describe how excited I am that a group of you are coming to visit me here and to see all that Jesus is doing here. So I'm also praying for the team can't wait for them to come and just experience the people here. And the people here are so excited to meet you guys. So excited. They can't wait. So we're going to have a great time together. And uh, I'm praying for you, um, all of you that are coming. And uh, we need to just everyone, um, the church, Uh, Those of you who are not the the goers but the senders, just praying for you as well. Thank you so much for praying and supporting and encouraging the team. We're together. Here we say, we are together. So God bless you guys. I love you. I miss you. I'll be seeing some of you very, very soon. I can't wait. (laughs) Love you. Bye-bye.
4: Everybody, I'm Debbie Hoffman Adair. I am the producer and a speaker. I have um, brought this together, but certainly not alone. I have had so many people help us and work with us and pray. We have had prayer teams getting this off the ground all over the world. If anything is overwhelming me, It's the generosity, it is the love, it is the support of everybody making sure that this Water Walkers Conference goes on. I have been a professional speaker for about 30 years. But before that, I wanna tell you a story about who I was. Grew up in poverty, Who hasn't? Grew up with neurotic, crazy parents. Oh yeah, like you can't relate, right? It was not a happy childhood. And frankly, by the time I was 18, I had had it. At the time, I had a small car named a Vega. Can anybody remember what a (laughs) Vega is? Its sister was the Pinto, remember that? And uh, Pintos were known for, you know, if you hit them in the rear, they blow up. Okay. But Vegas was known for this. They were cute as a button. But they did not go fast at all. So in my 18-year-old mind, I decided that I was going to end my life. And in ending my life, this is what I was going to do. I was going to take that Vega and run it into this huge tree. I lived on Cape Cod at the time, and that tree was big. And I knew that that tree would do the trick. But the problem was the vega. (laughs) Because I couldn't get it fast enough to really hit that tree to do the damage that I needed. One evening, as I went to sleep, I need to point out that I never dream, I never dream, but I had a dream that night and Jesus came and in the dream, he and I were walking like on a desert. I remember how the color, I remember feeling sand on my toes and Jesus said to me, you must not do what you're planning to do. You must not do what you're planning to do. And I thought about it, and I, it kind of blew my mind that he knew. I mean, now I understand, but I didn't at 18. And he said, Debbie, I have big plans for you. But you're going to have to live a life of some difficulties. You will get through everything, but the reason of the difficulties is for you to learn to do what I'm going to ask you to do in the future. I remember saying to him, but I'm so lonely. And this is what our Lord said to me. He said, I know you don't have many friends now, but I will bless you with many people that will become your friends and become An inspiration to you. And then I woke up, and I didn't think about ending my life for a long time. And did more challenges come? Yes. And some really cool things happened to me. I married a man who happened to be Jewish, and of course in my head I'm gonna bring him to Christ, but okay that was another story. But (laughs) we started businesses together, we made money, we had two children, And it appeared that my life was going well, except that it wasn't, because I was sad all the time. And I couldn't understand why all this stuff was going, happening to me. And, okay, the next date that I remember was June 25th, 1986. That was the day I turned 30. And I was to give myself a present. And the present was to end my life. I had it planned. This time I was not, didn't have a vega, but okay. I got pills and I was ready. And our Lord, so amazing. Amazing. (sighs) My then husband, who turned out to be not a very nice guy, we'll just say planned a surprise party for me. What? He took—he had a limo pick me up and bring me to a restaurant with 30 people that I knew in the restaurant. They were there to celebrate my birthday. And as much as that is exciting, it was still sad to me because I knew what I was doing that night. And as I talked to every person, I remember in my head thinking, this is the last time I'm gonna see them. This is the last time. I knew what I had to do. I got home, and my husband said, I will take the babysitter home. By this time, I had two children. One was five, and one was two. As he left, my little daughter, who was five years old, came out. She was sleeping, and she came up to me, and she said these words. She said, Mommy, can I have a hug? You know how little details come to life? And I remember wearing the little pajamas. They were called Carter's pajamas. They were blue piping. They had little snaps where, you know, you have to step to take the diaper off, whatever. And her beautiful blue eyes just sparkled. And, and her hands were going, Mommy, can I have a hug? And I said, Of course you can, Honey. And I hugged her, I picked her up, and I put her to bed. And as I left her room, I realized, what was I thinking? I can't do this to her. I can't do this to my son. I can't leave this world and leave them abandoned and leave them motherless. I can't do it. But I didn't know how to change. I spent the next two weeks talking to myself and trying to figure this out because I really didn't know Jesus at the time, okay. And you know, inspiration can come in the most interesting places. I lived in Concord, New Hampshire. 93 is the one highway, we only have one highway in that state. But I was driving to Concord up there and all of a sudden I see a sign that is on the Days Inn. The sign said, life is a journey, not a destination. Life is a journey, not a destination. Hmm. Now, we've heard that before, have we not? I mean, this went for years, but something about that struck me. And I immediately went to think, I'm not dead yet. My life is not over. I have more to live I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give it a shot. And that's when I asked my family doctor if he would hook me up with a psychiatrist because I knew I was that sad. Okay, now I'll just give you a little bit. I have gone to psychiatrists before, and every one of them said this to me, you're fine, you're fine. But I knew I wasn't. So this is a God thing. That doctor hooked me up with the psychiatrist, okay. And I've come to find out he was the top family psychiatrist in the state of New Hampshire. And I had the kind of insurance that I could go every single week and pay $10. That's like unheard of now, right? But I'm like, okay. And I went to my first visit and I said to him this, do not tell me that I'm okay because I'm not I want to solve this. I see other people happy. I don't know how they get happy, but I want that. He gave me an, like an aptitude test or whatever, and came back the next week and he says, well, I've learned a lot because for the paper that you did. And he said this. He said, there's two things that stand out in your report. And one was that you never take any risks. I never took a risk. I was afraid. I was shy. I was quiet. I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk to one-on-one, never mind on stage, but I couldn't do that, and I couldn't do any risk, and then he said this. He said, you appear to be a spiritual person, but you have no connection to God. Okay. And both of those statements were true. So I realized that if I was going to change my life, I was going to have to take risks, and I was going to have to turn to God. Did I take risks? You bet. But there might not be risks that you would have thought. You see, I was terrified to talk to people. And so the risk became I would attend business functions by myself i would go in to rooms with 200 people and try to talk to people first time i went i'll be honest with you i didn't go in i sat in the car <laughs> i never went in <laughs> but the second time that i did go in and i said a little prayer to god i went in 200 people just as i suspected nobody talked to me nobody but they were having a grand door prize at this event, and everybody was talking about the grand door prize, grand door prize, and I have no idea what it is. But I had put my business card in a basket, of which now, by this time, I realized, oh, they're pulling the cards out for all these other door prizes. And they went to talk, to, to announce the grand door prize. Another God thing. He told me, he goes, you're going to win. Sure enough, Debbie Hoffman, you won the Grand Rap, come on up. And if you picture 200 people, I had to walk through up on stage, terrified, and win this door prize. But here's the thing, the door prize is still amazing because it was dinner for eight, catered in my home, anything in the world that I wanted. Are you kidding? So, of course, I got a lot of people talking to me, but I'm like, every time. And now I can look, and I, I stepped out of the boat, but at that time I wasn't thinking it. And then this God thing, he told me that I need to talk to God. I have no, I'm not connected to any church at this point, but I'm like, All right, so I made a date with God, and I was going to go on this walk in the woods. I knew the walk. Well, actually, I knew where it was, and I had heard about it, but I planned the date. I got out, and I walked, and I told God that I didn't like how he was running the world. I mean, I just, this was stupid, and that was Forty minutes of blah, 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 blah. And I get back to the car, and I'm really standing there, and I'm waiting for the lightning bolt to come (laughs) up. How dare you? But this is what I heard. What else? Our God is a God of not a lot of words, but what else? Uh, 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 I said, well... I'll be back tomorrow, and I'll have another list. (laughs) So I went back every day for a week. You did this, whatever. And one day, I got out, and I started to think about all the misery that my life was in. And here's what happened. I was walking along the Merrimack River in New Hampshire. And that is a beautiful river that I never paid attention to. And the walk was all wooded, and it meandered. And all of a sudden, I stopped, and I looked at the river, a river that I had been walking for 10 days. I've seen the same thing, but it never dawned on me how beautiful it was. It was just enchanting. And that's the first time I ever said to God, You are quite the artist. This is beautiful. I don't know why I didn't see it before. And, of course, the answer was I was just full of the stuff that needed to come out. The Lord knew that I needed to just blah, blah, blah in my life. And that's when things started to change. And I started to talk to God every single day. I didn't have a a specific prayer like, I, I was raised Catholic, so I did, but I didn't do, like, the Our Father and things like that. I would just say to him, Lord, this is beautiful. And, this is, and I started to bring my concerns, my questions to him. And he always gave me an answer. So did I keep going to those business events? Yeah, I did. And guess what happened? I was changing, and I didn't know a lot of people. But I met all these people, and they seemed to like me. And they seemed to like what I had to say. And they seemed to like that I was finding myself. And the best one of the best things I learned about myself is that I truly love people. All those people that had disappointed me, okay, But no, now I'm meeting wonderful people. And I had this urge to hug them and talk to them. And and the other part was I would meet like Lachelle and I would say, Lachelle, you've got to meet my friend Lee. She's fabulous. And I would put them together and they'd become like best friends. And I got known for the word is business is networking, but I became a network queen. Not only did that, I was asked to not only come to the chamber and do some volunteer work, But they asked me to come to work there. They needed, uh, the association was falling apart. Did I know anything about this? No. But I took the job and I rebuilt the chamber. I mean, all these things happened. And I'm telling you this, it's it's not because of me. It was because of our Lord. And I kept stepping out of a boat that I didn't realize I was in. And uh, so that's what I have work towards and that's how I became a professional speaker and I spoke um, mostly in business. About 10 years ago he told me that I will be working for him. And I noticed I remembered what he has said back at when I was 18 that dream that you needed to go through all these things to be able to do what I have planned for you, and I will tell you that without all those things that I really could have preferred not to have, you know, but I learned something. I learned how to be uh, more compassionate. I, I learned that when people divorce or child dies or something like that, I I could understand and I could be that person to just hold their hand. That's one of the things I was meant to do. And he has brought more and more in my life, and I am so grateful. I am so grateful. There isn't a day that I don't talk to him a lot, and I feel like I'm a motor mouse. <laughs> but he is so patient with me that when I came to Utah, I, well, I had made a decision that I wanted to work for him. I came to Utah and I met my friend, Debbie Drake. I don't know where you are, but you're here. There you are. And she's like, hey, want to put on some Christian women retreats? And I said, sure, let's do this. And we try, we've tried a lot of different things and we've been on the mountain. We've been, in, uh, we've been all over the place, but Red Hills invited us to, to do one last year and I'm not looking back. And I realized that that is my calling to put on events like this all over the country. No matter what happened, getting here today, everything that happened, and I'm just going to tell you, I had emergency surgery, uh, then I was very sick from a bacterial infection that nobody ever heard of, and, and my husband and I expe- experienced a fire. Our whole house, we've been out of the house now for five months. I mean. I remember saying, I've never had a fire before. I really don't know what to do. And that, I, I will be honest, that that really hurt me because you're displaced. You know, we're homeless. One minute we're there, and then you're gone, you know, because it burned. But in every time everything that has happened, I've learned something about myself, but he put... The most amazing people in my life. And I will share one more thing. I am not a Bible scholar. As a matter of fact, when I turned 60, I'm 67, so you know, but when I turned 60, I said to the Lord, I'm ready to work for you. I am ready. I'm leaving everything else, and I still was in New Hampshire, but okay. And then I tell people, he got very quiet. It's not really, you know, I'm like, hmm, okay. Well, if you really don't want me to work for you, that's okay. But here was it. This, this tells you a lot about me. I want to be a Christian speaker. I never read the Bible. I never read the Bible. I had tried here and there, and it just didn't make sense. And, and so it was more like he was saying, I think it's time for you to read the Bible oh, okay. (laughs) It was funny. And my husband and I found this little church in New Hampshire that was a Bible-based church. And we went to Bible study at least four times a week. Uh, All the church services, everything, we just like immersed ourselves. And they were teaching us the Bible. They were teaching. I honestly, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know really about Old Testament, New Testament, I didn't realize, why is there red print here? What's that, you know? I just didn't know. When you don't know, you don't know. But I know now. And I realized something. He, the Lord, waited until I was, we'll use the word, mature enough to really understand what's going on in the Bible. I have such a different perspective of that Bible now than I would have when I was 30. I would not have got it all. Not that I know everything, because I certainly don't. Not that I'm a great quoter of the Bible, because I'm not. But I read it all the time, little bits and pieces. And I think, oh, I know what that means. Oh, I know that. Means. And then he puts me together with those amazing people, like Lainey. She's come into my life there. And wasn't she great? Ha! <laughs> And then I was getting ready for the retreat, and I will tell you one more little story, because someone that was here last year came up to me and said, your retreat wasn't very Bible-oriented. I don't think the Bible wasn't wasn't there at your retreat, so I was disappointed. And I thought, huh, really? I, I think we had a pastor's wife came, and she taught Bible study, and I, I might not have been the quota of the Bible, but Deblione back there did such a great job, and it just kind of threw me and then I asked another person that knows the Bible well, that was here, if what she thought, let's just say. she took two weeks to tell me this. I didn't like it. it wasn't very biblical, honestly. This is what I felt, like a scab in my heart, because whatever happens here, whatever happens, I'm trying really hard. I'm not gonna say we got perfection. No, we don't have perfection. But for her to say that, I looked it up, and it was 250 days later, she said those words. 250, and I thought she was my friend, and I thought she, could have mentioned it, you know, like a little bit before. And as, as the stab is going in my heart, I turned to the Lord and I said, I am so sorry. I, I, you know, I really am trying. And, uh, and I was so. And this is what he said a good a Lord of a, lot of a lot of words. He said, Find somebody else. <laughs> well, then, okay. And without that, I would never have found Lori, our Bible lady, that you'll see throughout the event coming to life. Wasn't she great? And then I thought, wait a minute. I have a lot of Christian sisters that are speakers. Maybe they don't always speak on Christ, but... And I have my friend Annette and Robin. They're in the background. You'll see them tomorrow. And they said yes, and they came. They came from Florida and Texas. And then I had my friend Darren LaCroix, who's a guy. <laughs> and it's a women's retreat, so I'm, like, praying to the Lord. Okay, he's, he's amazing. He's, he's all over the world. He's, he speaks all the time. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 what do I do? And the Lord said Ask him. So I asked him, thinking that maybe he would do it over Zoom or something, you know, because I don't know. And he said this. He goes, what's the dates? I told him. He goes, I'll be there. Can I, do, can I do a new program, right? And I'm like, yes, awesome. And then he introduced me to Roxanne and her husband, Bob. And so it became bigger than it ever could have been when I just said, God, what do I do? Yeah. So are you ready to walk on water? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now that I, we don't have an agenda. We, don't have, we, we do, but it's just changed all the time with all the things happen. I had people that were going to do this and do that, and they're sick. or Whatever. It doesn't matter. It is what it is. Right. And you were here because you were called. You were invited by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I, I was saying to people, you may invite your atheist friends. That's fine. I don't care. Come on over. Um, if you're invited and you're agnostic friends, well, come on over, but pick a lane. You know, go one way or the other. <laughs> Bring us all the different churches, all the different ways, and no one is going hear, hear to hear the to try to change you or anything. We're here because you love Jesus. We love Jesus. And we wanted to get together. No one's going to try to change you. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. There's, there's, I'm not. He might be have other plans. or But here, the people here, the staff, the people that have been working, we're just here to love you. That's all. I'm so glad you're here. And is it going to be perfect? No. There's going to be glitches throughout, but we have a lot of wonderful things planned for you tomorrow. We're not done tonight. I want you to know something. That each and every one of you are amazing. He's put you on my heart. I've been praying. We've all been praying. It's been going on all over the world, I will tell you. And that amazes me. Maybe you're here because you need to hear something that one of the speakers are going to say. Or maybe you're here because you need to meet someone that will share with you a thing, something that you need to know. Or even more, maybe it's you that someone else needs to hear from, that someone needs a hug from you. I don't know. My job is to just bring it together, and with God, everything is pretty amazing. So, with that, Jen, are you ready? This is a good time? Okay. We've had sound problems, so I'm not going to... That's why. Jen, would you like to come up and take it away? Thank you, everybody. I am here for the whole time. I'm hugging. And now... I'm turning the mic over to Jen, there you go, you got it girl.
5: It's green. I just need sound. Oh, hi, hey, ladies. Um, I'm Jen. Um, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Deb. And um, the Lord put it on my heart to sing a prayer over you. And um, I just invite you to stand and worship, stretch your legs. Um, This is uh, for you and receive. Have an open heart to what God is going to do during this. Um, this one song, okay? to you Lord turn his face make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward Beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you, he is with you. you. In the morning, in, in the, the evening, in the are coming,
6: and you're, you're going, going, and you're weeping, and you're rejoicing. Going. He is for you, he is for you, he
5: is for you, he is for you, he is for you.
7: practical part of the program. <laughs> Less entertaining, more practical. Can you hear your name?
3: I'm It
5: does
7: come off. Does it? I don't want it to come off. I want it to go down. I'm a little short person. Okay. When I, when Debbie first asked me and told me the, the name of the or the theme for the retreat. I had some problems with it. I, I'm not a water walker. I'm a Christ follower. And I was talking to my husband, um, and I was telling him my concern. My husband, bless his little heart, he's a very quiet man. Um, when he speaks, this wisdom will come out. I don't know where it comes from. but uh. <laughs> So I told him what, what this retreat was based on, and I, and I told him the account of Peter getting out of the boat. And walking on the water and uh, he's so amazing to me my husband and he listened which he doesn't do all the time but he listened, and he said well it sounds to me like it's it's like pins driving and I thought no God. my husband is a car man <laughs> everything that that he relates to life has to do with cars he will tell me what you drive if it has nothing to do with the conversation you know, they drive that 70-something, and it's like, oh. But he said to me, he said, well, it sounds to me like it's like when I stripe a car. He said, I have to take the solvent, and I have to wipe down where I'm going to stripe to wipe the dirt off, to wipe whatever wax is there to get it down to bare metal, and then I can stripe it. And at first I thought, what? what? <laughs> but it made perfect sense to me. Because in order for me to come to Christ, to get out of that boat and realize the object of my faith, which is Christ, I can't bring these waxy preconceived notions that I may have. I can't bring um, the dirt from the world. And yes, we come to him as we are. But in order for me to get out of that boat, have the faith to reach him and keep my focus on him, I have to bring my unpolished unpainted self because it's all about him ladies it is all about Christ it is all about Christ Um, so what I wanted to talk about is one of my favorite subjects which is prayer prayer is not something you do prayer is someone you are with And and myself and some of us we, we tend to sometimes put it on a checklist. Okay, I prayed today, did my Bible study, etc., etc. Except I never want to forget that I get to spend time with my God, the creator of the universe, the Lord of my life. I get to, I get to enter the throne room because of Christ and sit before him and listen. Believe it or not, I do listen. I don't do all the talking. I do listen. Um, and it, I, that was one of the most important things that I learned when I first came to the Lord is, um, is that it's not something that I do. It's a person that I spend time with. So let's talk a minute about discipline. Don't we love that word, the D word? Prayer, make no mistake, even though it's not something that we just check off of a checklist, prayer is still a discipline. It's, it's taking that time, going to that prayer closet. How many of you saw The War Room? One of my absolute favorite movies because they, they showed the practicality of spending time with the Lord. Find a place. So when we pray... It has to be a specific, sit down before him and listen. Sit down before him, realize where you are. And to have a prayer closet, you don't have to have a closet and the the notes all over the walls and things like that, but it always helps to have a specific place to go. Because not only does that set your mind, but it sets your body to go and spend time with the Lord. So it's always good to have a specific place to go and a specific time. Start your day in the morning, end your day in the afternoon. And I realize that some of you still work a full-time job. You still have little children, and it's hard to find time, but you can. Find a place, find the time, and you just go sit with your Lord. It sets your mind. And part of the discipline is, is making an appointment with the living, loving God. And I don't know about you, but it, my time is 7 o'clock in the morning. And I have prayer partners that I put out a prayer call to. So what I do is I'll just text some people and I'll say, let's pray. We don't get on the phone together. We don't do anything like that. We just have a prayer call. And at 7 o'clock, we all pray. Sometimes it's 7.10, sometimes it's quarter two, but it's around 7 o'clock and we always pray. Um, I have to tell you, I started the 7 o'clock thing 15 years ago maybe. Longer than that, when I first came to Cedar City, when I first started working here, I i don't know how we came together, but I came together with two other prayer partners. Somehow God brought the three of us together. We met every morning at 7, okay, every morning. We met every Thursday morning at 7 o'clock at the grind, the three of us, and we did that for over 13 years. The most blessed time that I ever had, and my prayer partner's here. <laughs> She now is married to the pastor in Milford, who, by the way, we prayed for. And in 2008, in my prayer journal, and I have proof I wrote it down, he gave his life to the Lord. It, it is, it's just just—it's amazing to me. And sitting next to her, and I hope you don't mind, Letty. Sitting next to her is a young girl that I worked with at a title company who I prayed for and we all prayed for, and there she is. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Isn't that so cool? So I'm going to make this short because we need to get down there and make our prayer journals. When you come to your prayer space or your prayer spots, come with pencil, paper, Prayer journal, Kleenexes, you never know what the Lord's going to have to say to you. Be prepared to be spoken to. Be prepared to take your instruction for the day because that's where he will give it to you. Now, is that the only place God's going to talk to you or you can talk to him? No. You can talk to him all day long. Like Paul said, pray without ceasing. And I'm just going to tell you a couple of um, experiences that I had with, with prayer and then I'm going to let you go. Um, when I was working at the title company, we deal with a lot of money. People close their homes, and sometimes we have some losses, which rarely do we have losses. And I had never taken a loss. Thank you, Lord. We, I had, had a deal that was going to close, and by my mistake, these people were going to incur an, a, a huge financial loss. And I couldn't sleep that night, and I paced up and down the hall, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I'm getting nothing, and I'm just, please, Lord, don't let this happen. So I pull up to, the, to my office. I got out of my car, and I'm saying to myself as I'm heading into the office, what a piece of garbage I am. What made me think I could do this? What made me think that I could even handle anyone's money? I am, I am just garbage. I hope they do fire me, and I'm going on like this. I'll never forget it, and I put my hand on the door of the office, and just as clear as clear, I heard, I made you. And I stopped. God is a God of few words. And that's all it took. I made you. You are not garbage. I didn't take the loss, everything turned out fine. But you know what? Those words that he spoke to me went so deep into my soul. I made you. And I'll never forget it because I realized who I am. Realize, ladies, who you are. You are a child of God. He loves you more than anything, and he knows you. He knows each and every one of you. And he knows the desires of your heart. He knows where you've been and where you're going. And he, I don't know about uh, some of you, but the older you get, the more you lose family and friends. Your world kind of narrows. And so you have people that don't remember your childhood. He does. There are people, no, nobody remembers your teen years. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. And, you know, it's it's been such a revelation to me to realize that my God was indeed there from the time before I was born because when you lose your mother you always want to pick up the phone and you say remember Alan Forsyth I knew this was going to turn around and I knew this and just these little things that only your mother knew well God knows God you remember Alan Forsyth I could have, you know I could have told you his son was going to be nuts. And I, and I say that not to be rude, but I say that because he is the God who hears you. He's the God who has seen the neighborhood you grew up in, the people who are not particularly nice to you, the people who hurt your feelings, the people who delight you. This is the God who's been there through the whole thing. He was there when you had your children. He was there when some of us lost our children. And I'm going to tell you one more thing, and then I'll wrap this up. Um, This happened just a couple of years ago. Um, I lost my adult son to alcoholism, and he... Anyway, lost my son to alcoholism. I had a hard time with my son, because he, he declared himself to be an atheist, and he didn't want to hear anything I had to say, and... I hadn't seen him for a very long time and he came to the house one rainy night and uh, instead of welcoming him in the door with open arms, I just warned him, you can stay here but you can't drink. And so he came in and he I tried to say something about God and he starts spurting this, well, I don't believe in that Judeo-Christian and I just shut him off. No more conversation. And I wasn't even kind to him the short time that he stayed in my home well he went up into a homeless camp and that's where he died and when I was sitting with the Lord after that and I just I was sitting with him and I just wanted I wanted a hug and I said to the Lord I just need you to hug me nothing nothing I just need a hug Lord nothing I have to tell you how awesome God is. He didn't hug me and He didn't give me that feeling of comfort. And I just kind of drug around that day and the next day. And I heard, I listened to a lot of um, Christian podcasts, pastors, and things like that. And this pastor came on and he said um, something to the effect of God allows us to be alone and in pain. So that we can come before him and confess whatever sin is rolling around in the back of our head. And the guilt that I felt about the way that I treated my husband came full force. And I hit my knees and I confessed the fact that I just, I shut him out. I needed to say that. I needed to get that out of my heart and out of my soul before I could heal. And God let me feel that alone. And he let me hear that message so that I could start to heal. That was such an important lesson for me because um, God isn't always warm and fuzzy, is he? But he gives us what we need. And he helps us through the times that we have to go through, knowing us to our very soul. He, He created us, of course he does, but he knows our thoughts he knows what it takes to heal us, and he did. And of course, you know, that has become a comfort to me that this God cared enough about me to know what was in my heart and my past and to know what would start that healing process. So I have to tell you, I had a friend, um, she's not with us anymore, she's with the Lord, praise God. Sometimes when people, um, especially new believers, will come and they'll say, well, you know, I don't know about all this prayer thing. I, uh, I don't know how to pray. I don't... What do I do? I mean, do I like... Dear God, you know. Anyway, she, she would not pray in public. She, she was a brand-new baby Christian. She wouldn't pay in, pray in public. She wouldn't pray with anybody else. I prayed over her. And when she passed, I got her prayer journals. And I have to, I have to read this to you. It's adorable. And she wouldn't mind, so please don't be embarrassed. <laughs> because she was funny about praying out loud or verbally, she would write to God every day. And she did. Dear God, as you know, I have been in your word, but I have not written and and Prayed to you for a couple of days. Not sure how I get that happen, and I apologize. God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for opening my eyes and letting me discover doing yoga, Tai Chi, hiking, and touchy minutiae stuff. (laughs) Granted, I am not exactly jumping for joy doing these things, but it is getting me out of my current situation dealing with my impatient issues. They're just so practical the things that she would say to god and it was every morning dear god and she would and she said a lot of things in here that she wouldn't say to another person and i read you that because it's important that we understand god wants to hear what you have to say if you're angry let him have it if you're resentful resentful let him have it if you're hurt let him have it if you're excited let him have it Because it's already there, and once it comes out of our mouth, we hear it, and then we know what's going on in our heart. If you can't speak a prayer, write it. But always, always take each day and some time with the Lord and the God that loves you so much, and he knows you, he knows everything about you. And he will treat you and love you and raise you and grow you and encourage you in exactly the way that you personally need to have those things. So I get to spend time with my prayer partner and my new prayer partner is here as well. Um, Ladies, just do it. Prayer is not something you do. Prayer is someone you're with. Just do it.